Pitch Deck Asia. Your story, your words. Boom, we are live. This is Pitch Deck Asia in Singapore. My name is Graham Brown. Delighted to have in the studio Nelly Wartoft from Tiger Hall. Nelly, welcome. Thank you very much. It's great to have you here. Um, I'm aware of you. I've seen you pop up on my LinkedIn from time to time. Oh, really? Yeah. Likewise. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> We're high profile people. So Nelly, mm. tell us a little bit about yourself before we go into the, the world of Tiger Hall. You are from where originally? I'm from a very small place in the middle of nowhere in the forest in southern Sweden. Yeah. So you can take a train from Copenhagen to Stockholm, get off halfway and drive into the forest. And that's where my hometown is. Right. But you haven't been there for a number of years. I mean, you haven't lived there for a few no, years. No, I haven't. I left when I was 19. So I booked a one-way ticket on Singapore Airlines to go to Singapore. So Singapore.com, packed everything I had in a hockey trunk, put it on the plane and, and went to Singapore. Never went back. Never went back. Did right. London for a while, South Korea for a while, but then yeah. Singapore ever since. What was it that drew you here? Why did you come to Singapore when you lived in the forest? Life sounded good. <laughs> That's the ultimate lifestyle, picking blueberries and all it that. It is, right? Like yeah. looking at mooses and the forest yeah. walking around. Yeah. What, did you, what were you looking for when you came here? I think I wanted something that was a little bit completely the opposite of where I grew up. Yeah. Um, I was very, very intrigued by the opportunities in Asia, the size of the markets, how big it is, how everything is happening at such a pace and it's so fast paced and everything is moving forward. And I think Asia is a little bit of this underdog mentality towards the US and the UK and Europe. Yeah. And I really like that mentality because I think it drives people forward and it makes people succeed. So yeah. I was really attracted to that. Cool. And there's the hustle here as well. You're exactly. a bit of a hustler as well, I think, in a positive way. I think you have to be when you run a company. Absolutely. So Tiger Hall, let's start there. This is really about life choices, I guess, right? Then the choices that you make, and you've made some very bold choices about your life. And I, I think people are growing up now and going into the world of work and looking around and saying, now, what do I do with my career and so on? It's not a, a defined path so much in, in the world, right? And especially like, for example, with learning and university, how that's changed, right? So we've both sort of, I mean, I'm a bit older than you, but we both come from an era where university was like the starting point. Right? Yeah, you, you went, had to go, you didn't have a choice. Exactly. Right? There, yeah. If you didn't go to university, you were weird or you're unintelligent or you weren't going to have a good career. Mm. But now people are asking, what do I do with my life as well? So let's talk a little bit about Tiger Hall. What is it? So I thought of the idea of Tiger Hall when I was in recruitment. So I spent four years with Michael Page, the British recruitment firm here in Singapore, and headed up their sales and marketing practice. And when you're a recruiter, you meet with people every day and they want to do something with their lives, right? So you always ask them, what is it that you want to achieve? What are your life goals? And they tell you things like, I want to start my own business. I want to be a CEO. I want to have a regional role. They have so many ambitions and so many dreams and then the natural follow-up question is, so what are you going to do to get there? And that's when they usually blanked and they had no idea. So I started thinking, well, the clients that I recruit for and a lot of people that I know are in these positions where these people want to go. So why can't they learn from these people? Mm. Why does everyone have to go through the same problems again and again when they try things like taking on a leadership role, starting a company, uh, moving abroad, and doing things that other people have already done? So I realized when I looked into this that the people that know the most are, in general, not the most accessible. 
So for people to get access to these people, there was simply no platform that did it. And if you look at the products that we do, so we're a knowledge sharing platform where you can learn from successful people who have been there, done that, and who have experience in what they're talking about. And we do it across different formats. So we have audio, like podcasts, like what we're doing now. So mm. I'm usually on the other side of the mic and <laughs> interviewing the business leaders. And then we do power reads where you can read their knowledge. And then we also do events, private dinners, workshops. You can meet them in person and you can book them for a one-to-one mentoring. So it's supposed to be really an all-encompassing ecosystem where you as an individual can go in and say that this is what I want to achieve in life. We put you on a path to get there through different formats where you listen, read, meet people, have dinner with people, and you get access to these individuals who have been so successful in the same field that you want to be successful in. So it's really about providing that access to people to help them become successful. All right. I'm intrigued. So would this work for me? even at my later stage in life? (laughs) (laughs) It does work for what? Depends on what you do. So we cover a range of different life goals, right? So some of the most common life goals that people have are related to money. They want Mm. to become financially independent. They want to be healthy, take good care of their body. They want to be leaders. They want to be successful in what they do at work. So it's a range of different life goals. And these are all life goals that we are covering. So if you want to make more money, absolutely, we can help you with that. If you want to be healthy, we can help you with that. Well, let's say, I mean, just randomly, I want to climb Mount Everest. Mm. Does it, I mean, it's extreme. But does it work for that? Or is it like, I want to move from being a vice president to a CEO, or I want to double my salary? What type of goals do people typically have? You know, does do the extreme ones work? It's designed for professional goals. So our most popular one is be a leader. Right. How do you actually lead people? And that's incredibly difficult and something that is not taught in university or anywhere else. So it's designed around your professional success. But to be successful professionally, you also need to have a healthy body and a healthy bank account. Mm. We also have one vertical that's called Widen My World, which is around learning about economics, politics, and topics that are outside your usual day-to-day life. So that is where we would include things like how do you climb Mount Everest, for example. Right. So so there could be something you can around that as well. Okay. I'm interested in this idea of success as well. And I feel I would like to get your thoughts on this. My personal feeling is it's it's a story that you write Mm. rather than other people write for you. How are you finding people using this? Uh, Do people understand what success is before they go into Tiger Hall? Do they learn what success is? I mean, how much of it is actually helping people find goals that make sense for them because i often feel that people chase goals for the Mm. sake of it yet they don't know what goals they should be chasing when actually somebody sits with you and says you know somebody with a bit more experience look that goal is making you unhappy this goal is sort of more about what you're about so how much of that goes on is it or is it people already come defined with like i want to do a b and c and i want to do it in 12 months (laughs) So I think success is something that is very individual and it depends very much on what you want to achieve. And the way that I define success, for example, is doing what you want to do and doing that successfully, being able to reach the goals that you set out for yourself. And that can be in any area of life, right? So most of the people that come to Tiger Hall, they already have a defined idea of what they want to do. So they tend to be a little bit more on the ambitious side and wanting to do big things. So most of our users are regional mid-level managers, for example. They're already leading teams of 5 to 15 people covering Southeast Asia. So it tends to be the people are a little bit 
more corporate ambitions and wanting yeah. to do make an impact in the corporate world or running their own businesses or towards the professional success. So they tend to have these clearly defined ideas before they come to Tiger Hall. Got and then it. Tiger Hall helps them achieve those things. Okay. Where does the name come from? Very good question. I love when people ask me this. So um, so Tiger Hall, Tiger is an Asian animal and it symbolizes overcoming obstacles in life and achieving yeah. strength. And Hall is a place where you meet people informally to connect. So Tiger Hall is a place in Asia where you meet people informally to connect in order to overcome obstacles in your life and achieve strength. Great. I like it. Yeah, I think we give that a thumbs up, that name as well. It's a <laughs> and everyone can pronounce it. It's not yeah, difficult to pronounce. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It's cool. And tigers are cool. There's no doubt about that. They're, they're you know, they are um, powerful animals for sure. But um, I think it's a great starting point. Let's talk about the actual company itself and how it works. Um, I've got your pitch deck here. I won't going to talk all the way through the pitch deck because I think you do a good job of talking a little bit about the backstory to it as well. Um, so you've established this a knowledge platform where people get different kind of tools to help them access and solve their problems. Everything from the, the mentoring to the events to the you know the power reads and the podcasts and so on. Yeah. Um, you've identified the problem somewhat early on, which is that you know people have these life goals, but interestingly here, you talk about a twenty first century university in your pocket, and I want to ask you about that and. Do you think the reason that we need Tiger Hall is because this doesn't exist elsewhere? I mean, is the traditional education system and even training with inside companies just not up to scratch of what people are looking for, right? What, what is it with the education system? Surely we should be sitting down with people and having these conversations with graduates and inside mm. our companies. I don't work for, um, I'm not a corporate person. I don't know what is happening inside companies now. So if we start with universities, if you look at university education today, it's something that hasn't been changed or disrupted for the past 200 years. And it still works in pretty much the same way and people are taught the same things. So while you have some great schools, like people have had really good university experiences and people who tell me that, oh, university is great. My follow up question is, oh, so which university did you go to? And most of them had gone to a Harvard or a Stanford right. or an INSEAD and had a great experience. And I completely appreciate that. But the fact is that 99.99% of people don't go to those schools and they don't get the opportunities to learn from people who are coming from the corporate world and share about what real life actually looks like. So if you look at the pace that the world is changing today, it's, it's just not possible that education system can keep up because... Mm. Education, especially universities, are such large, slow-moving animals that for them to keep up with things like AI and blockchain and all things technology, it's just impossible. And it's not nothing wrong about them. It's just that the fact of how it's constructed is not really suitable for the skills that we need to learn. Mm. And if you look at the people that you learn from, Today, they're mostly experienced in theory, but not so much in practice. And a lot of the things that we need to learn, especially with more and more technology coming into the workplace, is soft skills related. So soft skills like leadership, dealing with people is yeah. essentially the biggest skill you need in the workplace. And that goes managing upwards, managing your teams, managing colleagues. And this is something that is not taught in university. So 
there are so many things that you need to be really, really skilled in in order to do succeed in the professional um, in a professional setting, but which are just not taught in university. Mm. And if you look at computer science degrees, for example, what you learn in year one and two is already obsolete by the time yeah. that you graduate. It's already obsolete so, by the time you start it as well. In most exactly, cases, exactly. So, so companies like Google, Microsoft, Amazon, yeah. they have now pledged that they are not looking for university degrees anymore. Yeah. And these are the most forward-thinking companies in the world, and I think that's only going to continue. So if you look at a concept, for example, if you compare intensity and consistency, right now in learning we have a lot of intensity. We learn a lot for the first three, four years in our yeah. early 20s, and then that tends to roll off and we don't learn on a consistent level. And the same you asked about corporate learning and within corporations. It's, again, a lot of intensity. So once a year, you would bring in this big speaker, pay him $50,000. It's a two-day off-site. It's super intense. But then on the third day, you come back to the office and you're not really changing anything about the way you do yeah. things. So intensity is something that people go like, oh, we need to solve our leadership problem. And we do like a two-day off-site with all our management. But that doesn't work. You need mm. to have consistency every day and every week about these things like leadership and soft skills and everything else. So... The consistency about making something accessible and accessible through an app is something that I believe is incredibly powerful. Yeah, you make some great points. I think you're identifying a problem, which is that lifelong learning for adults is really just doesn't exist, I think, for is, it isn't supported. It, it happens, like you say, in three or four years intensity. And then the attitude that we're trained is that once you've graduated, the learning stops, the work starts. It's almost the other way around, isn't it? Once mm -hmm. you get into the workplace, this is where the learning really starts. Yet there is no structure apart from, like you say, these you know, off-site workshops that we tend to sort of go back Monday morning and you, know, you get the email memo come round and then it's back to work and then you've forgotten all about that, right? Mm. Yeah, I do see people listening to podcasts, consuming podcasts, and people read that books, and they seem to be a minority. And I'm aware of them because, you know, I do that myself, but I think we're in the minority that some people are really passionate about learning. But reading books, for example, people say, oh, I don't have time to read. Mm. How many people tell me that? And yeah. it's like, actually, you could spend 10 or $15 on a book, for example, and it could change your life, mm. literally. I'm not saying it's going to radically change, but it can give you an idea. And that sort of ongoing learning, why do you think that we as a society are not doing that when it's so obvious what the benefits are? Like you could take a course. And mm. I think the people who do, do. And they get it. They're investing in skills and they're learning and listening to content and podcasts and so on. But everybody else, 95% of the population, haven't seemed to have got on board with this idea. What is the problem? Why, why is it so? I think humans are incredibly lazy, right? Like laziness is the problem, but we can't combat human laziness because that's always going to be there. So what we need to do instead of making them less lazy is to make it easier for them to consume it. And if you look at today, like I'm a big podcast consumer myself, for example, and I read a lot of ebooks, but it's such a fragmented landscape. So there are 
a few great podcasts out there, but it's so difficult to find them. Yeah. And I spend more time on researching and finding good podcasts than actually listening to them. And the same when it comes to ebooks, there are some fantastic ebooks and short stories out there which you can read, but again, very difficult to find. And on the events and mentorship side, you have the same thing. There are some great events, but you never know when is the next great event going to come around from that organization or when is this mentorship platform going to do something great again? So there are problems in consistency of quality where you have on one platform, say Apple podcast, you have everything from a super professionally well-produced podcast yeah. to something that someone has recorded on their phone and put up. Yeah, And that's a big issue, and especially for the people who are actually doing great things. So. This fragmented landscape where no one is really doing any quality control and no one is curating it for you as a listener, as a user, that is, I believe, the problem. Yeah. And when you have a platform that you can just tell, this is what I want to achieve, these are my life goals, and then that platform curates it for you, mm. and you know that it's a consistent level of quality, every podcast you listen to, every power read that you read is going to be of that same quality. It's always from credible people who have achieved the real world. You mm. know that the credibility aspect is there, and it's curated for you. So you don't need to spend as much time on researching and reading and trying to find these gems. It's all in one platform. Right. So. No excuses. No yeah. excuses. Absolutely. Exactly. And it's all there and it's designed on path. So if you have, I want to be a leader, then you know that these are the right. the content pieces that I need to consume this week in order to get closer to my life goal. So the fragmentation and the inconsistency in quality, I think, are two key reasons as to why people are not reading more, listening to podcasts more, because it's just difficult to find. Mm. And I remember I used to spend so much time just finding a good podcast on leadership. And then you end up listening and it's long introductions, it's commercials, and you don't know who the guest is. And it's just like you don't have the background and the credibility yeah. of the person who's speaking. So so those are the two issues that I think are making people read and, and listen less. And that's what Tiger Hall is aiming to do something about. Great. How do you get over the motivation issue? Because I think, and like a lot of people, I've used apps or I've bought courses and for example, there is an app, a, a language learning app, Duolingo, for example, mm. which it looked great. You, you know, it sort of gamifies your learning experience, but you try it, you know, you spend the money, you try it and then eventually you sort of, you drop it, you know, it, it makes it easy for you to do this, but eventually it sort of fades and then you stop doing it because the motivation's not really there. It's like, I'm, I'm motivated to learn Spanish, mm. but, you know, it's just kind of me and the app on my own learning it. Yet, if I was to go and live in Spain, as an example, I would learn really fast. And maybe if I was moving to Spain in two weeks, I would use the app. Yeah. Right? So the motiv the real world motivation is there. So I'm curious about the part where you introduce mentoring and events as well because i think that any kind of learning is connected to motivation right especially social connectivity mm. yeah, we really learn stuff when it's relevant to us outside of just our little world it's sort of relevant to the people i interact with and you know the world i'm in so how does all that sort of come together can you help us understand that bit of it beyond the actual power reads and we'll look at the product in a minute and the podcasts how does the mentoring and the events fit in so if you look at the motivation, you mentioned moving to Spain and then learning Spanish. I think it's a very similar case when you're a mid-level manager in an organization struggling with leadership. 
that's the equivalent of you living in Spain. And if you live in Spain wanting to learn Spanish, if you're in that situation on a day-to-day basis, you know you need to learn leadership. Mm. So it's very much externally enforced in a way. People know what they're struggling with. And when they have these struggles, that's when they when they come to Tiger Hall. And all our content is very bite-sized, so people can easily consume it when they're waiting for the bus, when they're on the MRT, waiting for a friend who's late. So when you look at online learning today, for example, they usually throw you 30 videos. And it's going to take you 16 hours to consume. And who's got that time? Nobody. So the dropout rate for online video learning is 96.6% because people don't have the uh, the patience to finish it, right? right? So, And the generation today that are used to Netflix quality of video, they watch Narcos, House of Cards, all of these great shows on online. And when they switch from watching that kind of video quality to a LinkedIn learning or another video online learning platform where it's someone telling you, oh, now we're going to talk about public speaking. Yeah. You're suddenly not as excited. So most people drop out. So by making content that is more bite-sized and easily accessible, that's something that will keep people going as well and makes it much more accessible and easy for them to to consume than learning Spanish, which is a big thing. But if yeah. you have learning how to say hola today, yeah. then it feels a lot more um, achievable. Got it. All right. The key then is to make people feel in control. The fact that they yes. they're not going to get drowned by content. I think that yeah, can and be breaking quite... it down because people yeah. are so bad at breaking goals down. That's the main issue why people don't achieve things. So they set these grand goals for themselves, and they go like, "Oh, I'm going to take over the world." Okay, what does taking over the world mean? How do you break that down? Yeah. And then breaking it down into things like, "How do you write a good business email?" Or how do you structure a CRM loyalty program? Or how do you take your employee out of the room to talk to her without making it look to everyone like you're going to fire that person, right? Yeah. So these very, very minute, small things that people are struggling with on a day-to-day basis, breaking these goals down into these small things and learning it bit by bit takes it, uh, then takes it out the, the feeling of that you have to do moving a mountain instead of yeah. just uh, picking up a stone. Yeah, momentum, right? One small step then it's easier to do the next one and so on. Exactly. Are you are you quite a goal-driven person? I'm an extremely goal-driven person. Yeah. You, you, do you say that with complete conviction, like that is no issue whatsoever in your life? I'm just wondering. I'm quite ambitious and goal-driven as well. Yeah. I'm just wondering how that manifests in your day-to-day life. Maybe show us in the world of Nelly Wartoft and what's it like to be Nelly in a day? How goal-driven are you? Do you wake up in the morning and write down the three things I'm going to achieve today? Are you like that? or <laughs> How do you do it? How does it sort of manifest? That's a very interesting question. So, um, so I have a very structured way of approaching goals. And um, my first goal when I was around 13 was to be able to move to Singapore. And then my goal was to, so I brought my business over to Singapore. And then when I started working, my goal was to save up a certain amount of money to be able to invest in a business. And my goal has always been to help people learn and to um, to help them develop themselves and make them successful. So the way that I structure my goals is I have a yearly outlook. So every year I go on something they're called a rest and reflect, where I reflect on the past year, I plan for the upcoming year. So that's like a big exercise. And then I break that down into different parts of my life. So I look at in this area, what I need to do in this area, what I need to do. And I try to break it down into weekly habits. So Mm. I don't do anything like, for example, let's say I want to write a book. I don't go, okay, this year, I'm going to write a book. I go this year, every Sunday at 5pm, I'm going to write one page. Mm. And then I set those kind of goals and then I schedule it out in my calendar. So every week in my calendar, there are certain things that are relating to achieving the goals, but it, it's never around 
the big big goal is right. always broken down. So so that's very much how yeah, I the big goal can be quite scary. And, yes. do, and I think people feel paralyzed. Where do I start? Exactly. And that's I know very how much, to write one page, right? I can do that. Exactly. And that's very much what I want to help people do as well. Because like, if you look at the life goals that we have, for example, like be a leader, make more yeah. money, live a healthy life, like it's big audacious goals, right? But how do you break these down into habits and things you can do on a daily and weekly basis? Because that's what's really powerful. The most powerful thing in the world is consistency. Yeah. And that's what most people lack because they go super motivated and then they do a lot of things at once and then they do anything for the rest of the year. Yeah. And my personal motto is motivation comes and goes, but discipline is what will get you through the lows. Yeah. So always relying on discipline and not trying to be motivated all the time because no one is motivated all the time. No. But you still need to do things that gets you forward. So that's very much my personal philosophy. I think it's a good one as well. I've heard similar reflected from like creative people like people think for example like writers are just geniuses they wake up and they knock out ten thousand mm -hmm. words and oh, i've got an idea but somebody once said that motivation is for amateurs mm -hmm. in the sense that the professionals aren't motivated by motivation they're motivated by the discipline they get up like stephen king the most successful writer of all time best-selling writer of all time he woke up every day and every morning he wrote three thousand words mm -hmm. whether he felt the love for his craft or not he just sat in front of the typewriter in those days yeah. and knocked out three thousand words and that's how he became the best-selling author you absolutely right it's consistency he didn't start with this goal of writing 200 books mm. he said i'm just going to do this every day so that's tough isn't it because i don't think people understand that is required that skill mm. to do that that's how you go from here to here people just look at the mountain that's how i get to the top right yeah. but i don't know what step one is yeah. so maybe we can have a look at the actual platform itself and um tell us how i can make some more money <laughs> <laughs> i like that bit exactly. so um maybe you could, I know it's a bit unfair to ambush you like that, but let's start with that one as an example. You yep. say that's one of your tracks, right? Making more money. Yeah. Is that how you define it? Make more money. Yes, okay, it actually so is. No beating around, <laughs> no messing around. Okay. Exactly. It's uh, so make more money. Where do I start? So walk me through. I want to make some more money. Yes. Like in the next year. So what you do is that you start with selecting your life goals. So you start by telling the platform what you want to achieve. Because the thing is, most people know what they want to achieve, but they don't know what they need to learn to achieve that. So saying that, oh, I want to learn how to invest in ETFs. Yeah. Very few people would actually know that, but they do know, oh, money, I want money. So for them to tell us that they want money is a lot easier than telling us, I want to learn ETFs. And if you look at most learning platforms, it's structured by topic rather than by goal. And What does that mean? Like it's structured, oh, I want to learn SEO, I want to learn how to invest okay. in ETFs, and, but people don't know what they need to learn. They just know what they want to achieve. Got it. So you start by selecting your life goals. And then once you've done that, the entire dashboard and the entire app is curated to you. So if you only select money, it essentially becomes a personal finance app. And if mm. you only select you want to live a healthy life, it essentially becomes a health and wellness app. Most people select a combination of these and some people select all of them. And depending on what you choose, your dashboard will then be curated to you. Right. So let's go so, with money. So then, how do I, where does that, <laughs> curate it for me. So you, I'm super fit, as you can see. <laughs> as I can see. Yeah. So you select, I want to make more money. Yeah. Then you would get into the dashboard where you would get a path of things that you need to do 
every day and content that is coming out every day and every week that you're consuming. So you would have, for example, an ebook or power read, as we call them, um, on how do you invest in ETFs. You would have a podcast on how what is the mindset that you need to do. You would perhaps meet someone over dinner to discuss wealth planning for the future, retirement planning. You might have another power read on real estate investment. So you will get a range of content pieces, which is a mix of listening, reading, meeting, having dinner with, networking, and so on. And this is things that you consume on a daily and weekly basis. So it's an ongoing thing. And that's the thing, right? Like life is not an infinite, is an infinite game, essentially. So it never ends. So you need to consistently upgrade yourself and consistently consume content that will take you closer to these things. So once you have these content pieces, then you're into the ecosystem, essentially. And then within this ecosystem is designed to connect you with people who have made a lot of money in different ways. And you're learning from them through different formats on the go, in the bus, in the MRT, over dinner and the entire ecosystem. So I'm fascinated by that. If I was in that ecosystem, who would you connect me with that is wealthy and has made it in a sense you know, I would look at them and say, they're doing better than me. And therefore, I want to learn from them. And also, why would they want to connect with me? So we curate the experts that we invite. So we look at the goals. That's where everything starts. So we look at the life goals and then we see, okay, what does someone need to do in order to make more money? And then from there, we look at what are the topics. So what are the different things you need to learn? And within those, we look at trends. And then from there, we identify the people who have done this very successfully. And we go out and ask them, would you like to share your knowledge on how you achieve this? So that's the process. So some of the people that we have on board, for example, is the former president of AirAsia on how do you lead a team? Mm. We have the head of HR at Grab. How do you live a balanced life while you have a busy corporate career? Um, We have a range of different um, corporate senior experts who are sharing on tricky topics. Vice chairman of Edelman, how do you handle a PR crisis and many similar corporate profiles. So these are people who don't have a platform to share their knowledge either. Because mm. if you look at people like uh, Gary Vee or Simon Sinek and all of these who are all over the place, it's, yeah. they have so many platforms they, where they go out and share. But I believe that people are very, very knowledgeable and very successful. Like not all of them have this platform. Very, very few of them actually have. So where they can go today is essentially writing a LinkedIn article, which by now the the quality of LinkedIn articles is is questionable and the consistency is not really yeah. there. So we invite them to to this platform where they can share that knowledge in a pure knowledge platform. Um, so a lot of them are motivated by giving back and helping people and helping young people get ahead. Most of our users are between 28 to 38. A lot of them are also interested in personal branding, sharing their knowledge mm. and um, becoming known for that. And uh, we also compensate them. So they also get paid for their knowledge share. Does it appeal to those, I mean, I guess people who have corporate histories, I mean, they seem to be the ones that would benefit most in giving back here. Because like you say, like the Gary V's of this world, they're, they're everywhere. They, mm. They've got this game worked out. Yet for the corporates, they don't have an obvious channel and a, a de-risked channel as well. But if they could go through you and I think importantly for them, they're going to get feedback. That's what they're looking for, right? Mm. They want people to interact with them and reach out and say, I read this or I heard this podcast you did and it touched me here that's mm. what they're looking for right because it makes sense of that 20 or 30 years that they spent in pr or hr now that sort of makes sense that they can sort of multiply that out and affect a lot of people right yeah exactly okay how do you make money out of it yourself what's the 
billing model? So we are a subscription platform. So people subscribe between $15 to $29 a month, and that's all-inclusive. So for your subscription membership, you get access to all the digital content, so podcasts, ebooks, everything online, and you also get invited to private dinners. So for example, last week we had a dinner with the uh, former president of AirAsia, mm. and it's a three-course meal, it's 10 people around the table, you can ask her any questions that you like, and you get up-close access to her. So this is something that we do on a regular basis, and that's also included in this membership. Mm. So everything and is included. You mean the meals included? Yes, the meal, Well, it's just everything. worth it for that alone, is it? How much? Exactly. If you have, it's $15 a month on an annual subscription and $29 right. a month if you do, do it you monthly rolling. I mean, you know, like here in Singapore, $15 doesn't give you a lot <laughs> anywhere, right? If in you go for center. one private dinner with us a year, you've essentially already covered your entire exactly. annual so subscription. So who pays for that? It's a secret. <laughs> well, the investors want to know. How do they... Is, is it sponsored? It's a secret. Okay. Yeah. Right. It's, uh, but okay. it's a really, really good meal. And we give... host them in private dining rooms. So um, okay. so now we've done it at 1880, for example, the private members yeah. club. And we host in, in separate uh, private dining rooms around Singapore. So it's very exclusive. And it's something that we do because that is something that definitely gives people access. And access is what people are struggling with. So yeah. in a way, we take away the power from the closed door conversations. Very interesting. I mean, even for that alone, it sort of makes sense. Are you raising funds at the moment? No, so we closed a seed round right. of uh, 1.8 million USD, yeah, and uh, that sustains us, sustains us for a while. And uh, I'm probably going to start talking to people about a Series A towards the end of the year because I've already had a lot of interest in that. Okay, uh, you, you're not going to use all that money to pay for these dinners, are you? Because that <laughs> won't last very long. <laughs> yeah, that, that won't last very long. It'd be like the fire festival <laughs> in Singapore, right? So, um, not at all. Okay, so you've just closed a round. Um, I know. I'll have a look at some of your slides here. We can jump back in the pitch deck. Um, you, there is a slide about the model as well, slide 10. Bearing in mind, not everybody can actually... Um, um, sorry, I'm jumping ahead of myself now. Um, not everybody can read this because they don't have access to the um, the numbers. They don't have access to the video. I wanted to just jump forward and have a look at some of the experts. You mentioned some of these private dinners and some of the people that you have on board. Mm. Can you tell us just some of the names here, the people who are on your platform? Because actually give them some names, so... People can, yep. you know, they can't actually see this. They might be listening on the podcast. Absolutely. Who do we have here in the top left? Lisa so Wang. So we have uh, Lisa Wong, who's the head of marketing at Swarovski. Right. Gareth Nicholson, who's the head of fixed income at Bank of Singapore. Kathleen Tan, former president of AirAsia. Um, Eric Moisevan, uh, executive director of UBS. And Joyce Lim, head of HR at Grab. Um, Aaron Hung, Senior Director for Partnerships for Asia-Pacific for TripAdvisor. Great. And, uh, Let's go back. There's plenty already. Yeah. <laughs> so with um, We have around 150 at the moment, so I can read a lot of names. Okay. These are the ones up here. So Lisa yes. Wong, for example. What would I learn from somebody who's head of marketing for Swarovski? So Lisa's done two podcasts with us. So in one, she's sharing on how do you build a brand across Asia. So when you take a brand to Malaysia, to India, to different markets, how do you take into account the cultural aspects of that? So she's sharing a very interesting story, for example, on when she launched Swarovski in Malaysia and didn't think of the fact that the women have headscarves, so they didn't wear earrings, and she went in with an earring collection. Oh. So she's talking about how do you find out these cultural differences and how do you adjust your 
your brand to suit local markets. Her second podcast is How Do You Excel in a Branding Career? So she, she touches on things like how do you explain the ROI of branding to senior management? Because branding tends to be quite fluffy and mm. people don't really they th- see you as a creative person. So how do you get credibility internally within your organization and tell your CEO that branding is actually needed um, so that they don't cut your budget, right? So that's something that she's sharing on in her second podcast, for example. Okay, great. It's very practical. It's very sort very of how practical, to, exactly. Yeah, and often the questions that don't get asked, people want to know the answers to these. Exactly, because people need to know, like, how should they do this? Yeah. It's not about what to be done, because most people know what to do, right. but it's about how do you actually execute. So we're all about the how-to. So Tiger Hall itself, you're less than a year old? Yes, right. we launched the platform on uh, 1st of March this year. So I started developing March. it about a year ago. Fantastic. And obviously you talked a little bit about your funding round as well. How many people are you now? In the team? Yeah. We're about 20 people. So 20 people based here in Singapore? So I have the commercial team here in Singapore. So yeah. that's uh, content production, marketing, expert relations and so on. And then we have our engineering team based in Sweden. Okay. Interesting place to base your engineering team. Is that... Yes. You know, obviously... With your background, it makes complete sense. And there's a lot of good engineers because of Skype oh, and Spotify. It's yeah. a it's a good tech hub. Yeah, no, definitely. A lot of talent there. Mm. So you're less than a year old. You're 20 people. What what do you know about Tiger Hall now that you didn't know when you started out? What what do you what has changed for you? I mean, you went in starting in August with some assumptions about the market and the mm. solution. And in that time, you would have changed a little bit, you know, it, you will have tried different things. Some of them didn't work out. That's just the nature of a startup, right? Mm. And what have you learned about yourself in this business? But also what have you learned about how people consume this content that was a little bit different Mm. from how you started out? Yeah. So the first thing is that I actually expected our users to be a bit younger than they are. So um, our users are mostly in the 30s. We have a few users who are university students and fresh grads, but it's very, very few. Mm. And I meet around three users a week for in-depth conversation with them to understand them better so that we can build a better platform for them. And what I realized with the students is that they mostly don't know what they don't know. And they have this golden certificate and degree and they're just trying to figure out getting their first job. So the moment when you really start thinking about these things like managing stakeholders and how Mm. do you balance your fitness with your work and how do you manage upwards and so on, that tends to be when you have around five to ten years of experience. So that's one thing that I misassumed um, in a way. And that's been really interesting to meet these people are more senior than than I actually thought they would be. Right. I think you're right. People don't know what they don't know at the start. Exactly. Yeah, and a lot of the time they have a lot of energy. They just power through it the first five years. Then they realize it's broken. They've got to change something. Yeah, and there's very few university students even know that this is the career that I'm going to have. And if you look at most of our topics, it's really designed for mid-level management. So it's not things that they're struggling with. And that is kind of related to the second thing that um, that I learned, and that's that when you're starting out and you're a junior executive in a company, you always have a mid-level manager next to you that you can ask. And you can afford to raise your hands and ask the stupid question because you're like, oh, I'm 25, I don't know anything and I can ask everything. But when you're 35 and you're a regional mid-level manager, you usually report to the Singapore CEO or APAC head or Southeast Asia head. And these people don't really have any time for you. And you can't ask the stupid questions anymore. So... 
Something that I realized that people use Tiger Hall for a lot is to take the back door to find things out. So they feel like they can't really go to their boss because of the concept of loss of face as well. And they don't want to look stupid by asking yeah. stupid questions, quote unquote. And uh, that's the way that they use Tiger Hall. So they would go to Tiger Hall. They could listen to their boss competitor or someone of a similar level in the same industry even teaching them things that they would like to learn from their boss, but they don't have to have this loss of face. So they don't have to go to their boss and say that, oh, I don't know this. I don't know yeah. how to manage stakeholders. They can learn that through the back door. So that's something that Tiger has been incredibly useful for, for these people that I mm. didn't expect at all. That's great. And it's really going back to the point about motivation, what it's about, you know, not everybody's going to do that, but those that do will seek it out and use that information, mm. which is great because they must be, in a way, quite isolated in their companies. It is, and they're sandwiched, a lot of them. They have people below them, people yeah. above them, and it's a lot of soft skills required. Yeah. Well, interesting. Okay, so where do you go from here? I guess you're recruiting at the moment? Yes, we're recruiting at the moment. Yeah. Um, currently looking for product manager, technical project manager, so more on the on the tech space as well as business development partnerships. Um, we're expanding to Malaysia and India this year as well. Yeah. So we'll be launching uh, Malaysia and Kuala Lumpur in August and uh, India, Bangalore and Mumbai will be the two cities that we're launching in India. And that's going to happen in September, October. So Great. very excited about those two markets. How do you get the right people? Like mindset wise, I mean, you've already mentioned, we talked about education, like it's an ongoing process, right? So would you accept somebody who didn't have a degree? Would you be interested in somebody who is wants to be a product manager but doesn't come from the world of product management or how, how do you sort of see all that have you got specific hard skills that you need from people so i think i'm quite lucky because they have a background in recruitment so uh, i have quite a wide spectrum that i can compare people against um, and i like to see a lot of people so to get the original team of 10 that is tiger hall i interviewed 167 people to select those 10 and i think i have one of the best teams in Singapore, for sure. They're all absolutely stellar. And what I look for is a lot of attitude. It's mainly the uh, the will and the, the values and being aligned on that. And of course, having done a slightly similar role before, mm. it doesn't need to be the exact same uh, position or something that is very, very um, uh, related, but something that at least shows them that they have the skills. So for example, if you have a role that is requiring a lot of outreach and sales at least having someone that enjoys that as as a person so yeah. the fit of a personality to a role is a lot more important than the fit of experience to a role yeah yeah and it's good that you put that out there because there's a lot i think the challenge here in singapore is the you know talent mm -hmm. every startup i speak to struggles to find the right people because a that you know there's a small pool of people singapore's a small place at the end of the day yeah, there's a lot of competition as well. You know, a lot of people going to banks or going to you know traditional routes in employment. Those that are sort of not doing that are a small number, yet they may have feeling that they can't get these jobs because they don't have on paper, you know, the right skill set. Mm. Yet they have absolutely the right attitude. And maybe that's why they're choosing to go and work in a startup in the first place, right? Because we're not Silicon Valley. We don't have lots and lots of examples of great businesses in the startup industry yet at that level. 
that would say to people, yeah, this is a really good career choice. Go and work in a startup. Still, it's a little mm. bit risky and Singapore is a little bit risk averse, right? True. So um, putting that out there, that it's all about attitude. How do you like people to approach you when it comes to recruitment? Because you've seen the lot as mm. a recruiter. You've seen all shapes and stripes of people. Mm. And what works? Do people send you a CV and say, hey, Nelly, I listened to your podcast. Take a look at this. Or mm. what works? Do you like people to meet you for a coffee and have a chat? Or It very much depends on what the role is. So if you have a role that requires sales, for example, I want them to approach me to show them, uh, to show me the, their sales skills. So emailing me like a cold email, um, very good email, well-crafted, clear what's in it for me, um, having that involved, that's that's a very good approach for um, a salesperson. I love when people cold email me and I get five to ten people a day doing that with their yeah, resumes. Yeah. You're inviting them now. So. <laughs> and that's fantastic. Like, do send across your resumes. And when people do that, I always look at, at all of them. Um, and I, I read through because that's a much more proactive approach because it shows that to find my email, they need to go to our website and yeah. click around a bit and it shows that they've really done their homework. People also contact me on LinkedIn and I use LinkedIn a lot. So so when people do that and it, it's always when they mention where they saw Tiger Hall or like why they feel connected to the brand or yeah. why they believe in the course and the values that we have. Um, that's always helpful. But um, normal job applications is, of course, working as well. Great. Take a chance reach out contact nelly so you're okay with linkedin it's a good way to contact you because yeah. we'll put the details in the show linkedin is the perfect way to to contact me linkedin or email fantastic and before we finish i want to know what you're learning nelly what are you learning this year because you've done your retreat you've gone away reflected and previewed 2019 2020 maybe so for yourself tell us what's on your goal list so my focus of 2019 is leadership I want to be a really, really, really great leader for the team, um, helping them succeed and helping them grow. So that's my focus for, for 2019 in different shapes and forms. And my weekly habits are very much relating to that. So so trying to do my best in, in leading the team is definitely my top priority. Great. And have you read anything recently that's inspired you in, on those topics? You know, a power read that has inspired you to challenge you even on leadership? So one power read that I actually really like that is oh, happens to be on Tiger Hall is by Pascal Finette. So he's the chairman of Singularity University for uh -huh. the entrepreneurship track. And he shared with us about innovation. And he said, for example, that Skype is more disruptive to the airline industry than low-cost airlines yeah. or like what Uber is to taxis, for example. So um, the way that he thought about innovation, I thought was very crisp and clear. And uh, that it's all about replacing what has been there before, not about taking what has been there before and doing it in a new, fashionable, technological way, but actually replacing and making the whole thing obsolete. So when it comes to an innovation, that's something that I found very insightful and something that I keep in mind when I think of how can we do things better. Yeah. So it's not only taking what already exists and enhancing that, but actually if we had a complete blank piece of paper, what would we do from scratch that would actually solve this problem for real? Well, there you go. You've heard it. Nelly Wartoft, everybody, from Tiger Hall. Thank you so much for coming into the studio today and sharing your journey with us. All the best with that. Hopefully, we get an update in the future with your global domination plans, see how things have evolved. And as you said, you're moving into Malaysia, potentially India as well. I'd like to see how that 
goes for you as well. Um, and if you're interested in being part of this journey as well, reach out. We'll put all the details in the show notes. Nelly, thank you so much for today. Thanks a lot. Good to be here. That was Pitch Deck Asia, powered by Pitch Media Asia. My name is Graham Brown. Pitch Deck Asia is a platform to give startups in Asia a voice. We give them a show to help them tell their story. And if you love these startup stories and like hearing more about the journeys of the founders, go and check out our SoundCloud channel, which is available at pitchdeck.asia slash SoundCloud. That's pitchdeck.asia slash SoundCloud. Head along to the channel, subscribe, follow us, and feel free to leave a comment or a rating on our channel as well. We'd love to hear your feedback.